0: neighbor, it's a wonderful day today, today. because you are here, here. again, as if you mean it, it's a wonderful day today, today. because of what, amen, Amen. well, welcome to God's presence, I know that uh, it's been a little bit difficult for some of us, I understand the light went out in some places, Uh, uh, that's why we don't have some of our members here, the lights are out and so uh, overnight and all that. So, but for those of us that are here, double blessings for today in Jesus' name. Yeah. So this morning I want to open our Bible to the book of Daniel chapter one. Daniel chapter one. I read from verse three to verse nine. Daniel chapter one, verses three to nine. If you're there, shout hallelujah. Daniel chapter 1, very close to the center, but not, it's after halfway through, you pass Isaiah, you pass Jeremiah, you pass Ezekiel, then you come to Daniel, Amen? amen, and the king spoke unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge and understanding, understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat, and of the wine which he drank, So nourishing them three years, that on the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Betheshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Verse 8. But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This morning, for a few minutes, The topic I'm going to be sharing with us is how to obtain favor from the Lord. How to do what? How to obtain favor from the Lord. And I believe as we go through, we may have a better understanding of the word favor. It's something we all desire. But I'm sure if I were to ask some of us, what is favor? Uh, We will have different Maybe as different definitions as we have of individuals that are present here today, how to obtain favor from the Lord. And I want to start by asking ourselves is there a qualification to obtain favor from God? Is there a qualification? Somebody said no. Did I hear someone say no, no, or is there. (laughs) Can you qualify for his favor? Are there some things that God can look upon in your life to determine? I want to give. I want to shower my favor upon this individual. There's a difference between favor and grace. But today we want to talk about favor. There's a difference between favor and mercy. In the passage that we read, the Bible says, "When the king sent the master of the eunuchs." to go and look for people to be appointed into the king's service. There were some criteria that were specified. They were not just supposed to go and pick anybody and bring them and say, okay, you you qualify. We are going to teach you. We are going to use you. No. There were specified qualifications for people to be used. And those are the same qualifications that we need to have If we will obtain favor from the Lord. Tell somebody God will favor you today. It's very important. But there are some things we need to pay attention to. And the first thing we'll see is that when this instruction was given, the man was clearly instructed that in Babylon at that point in time, there were many nations that had been held captive and taken to the land of Babylon. So, the prince of eunuchs was clearly told of the seed of Israel. Of what? Not of any other nation. And that is the first thing you must take note of. If you are going to obtain favor from the Lord, you must be born again. You must be what? You must be a child of God. If you, have not, if you are not a child of God, if you have not made up your mind to do the will of God, if you have not made up your mind to be one of his own, you might find it difficult to obtain favor. I pray for someone here today, God will favor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this man was specifically sent to the seed of Israel. The children of Israel. The seed of Abraham. The children of Judah that were brought captive into the land of Babylon. But then he went further. He said, the Of the king's seed and of the princes. Of what? The king's seed and of the princes. And this is very important, brethren. It's very important because a seed will only produce its own kind. True or false? A seed will only produce its own kind. And that's very important. He said, of, this, of the king's seed and of the prince's there were some attributes they were looking for. The Bible makes us to understand, brethren, that there are two types of seeds. When we go through the scriptures, we have what the Bible calls the good seeds and the weeds, The good seeds and the tears. When you go to Matthew chapter 13, from verse 24 to verse thirty. Jesus Christ told a parable unto the, unto the disciples. Matthew 13, verse 24 to verse 30. He said, I mean, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seeds in his field. He sowed what? Now, we said there are good seeds and there are tears. There are good seeds and there are weeds. We didn't say there are good seeds and there are bad seeds. And this is very important. Because... Take, for example, those of us that are familiar with beans. When you cook beans, can you still plant it as a seed? You cannot. So you can say cooked beans is what is bad seed. But it's only bad because it's been cooked. Amen? It cannot germinate. It cannot behave as seed. It is a good seed. But when we talk of tears... We talk of weeds. The good man of the house has planted the good seeds. The enemy comes and he plants the tears. He plants the weeds. And you know what? The weeds look like the good seeds. And that's why the master of the house said, let the weeds grow with the good seeds. But there will come a time of harvest. Tell someone the harvest. When the time of harvest comes, the good seeds will be separated from the tears. Why? It said in verse 29, it said, less while you are guarding up the tears, that is the the the, 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 uh, the, the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. So in the church, like we are seated down here today, there are good seeds and there are what? There are tears. There are weeds. The question is, which one are you? Which one are you? Can you ask your neighbor, which one are you? In other words, are you a good seed or are you a weed? The good seeds and the weeds, they look very much what? Alike. When you look at them, you don't see a difference. In fact, you know what? The tears, the weeds are better decorated than what? Than the good seeds. I don't know how many of us here are familiar with agriculture. I grew up on the farm. And I studied agriculture school. I have a master's in animal science. So I'm very familiar with things like this. When you plant a good seed, and the tear or the witch comes in, which grows faster. The tears grow faster. In fact, they are very desirable. They are more attractive until you realize that, no, 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 this is not what I planted. <coughs> After a while, you begin to see the difference. So the Lord said, Leave them, let them grow together. But there will come a day, a day of separation. And in verse 30 of that passage, verse 30, he said, Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye first the tears. And bind them in bundles to do what? To do what? The tears. The weeds. They are good for nothing else but to be burnt. But gather the wheat into my barn. And when we look at the end of our journey, where will the tears and the weeds be burnt? Somebody is not sure. Or like somebody said, they say God is too good to allow anybody to go to hellfire. That's fallacy, brethren. God has given us everything. To the point that the Bible says he sent his only begotten son to die for you and I. To ensure that we don't go to hell. You won't go to hell in Jesus' name. But the choice is yours. It's not a matter of prayer. It's a decision you have to make. I have made up my mind. I won't go to hell. I don't know what decision you have made. What's your decision? Are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? The Bible says the weeds, the tears will be gathered together and be burned, But the wheat, that is the good seed, will be gathered into the barn. You will be rewarded for your good works. Alternatively, we can differentiate the seeds into what the Bible calls the seed of Abraham and others. The seed of what? Abraham. Or maybe I should say the seed of who? The seed of Abraham and others. Remember we started by saying the first qualification for divine favor. For the favor of God is you must be born again. And being born again makes you a seed of Abraham. When you are not, when you choose not to give your life to Christ, you are considered among the others. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Tell somebody the promises are mine. You know that the song we sing, right? Abraham's what? Blessings are mine. The promises are to Abraham and to all of his seed. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, from verse 16. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. So the Spirit itself beareth bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That is, we have the good seed. And if children then hear, hear of God and joint hear with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Glorified together. You will be counted worthy among the good seeds in Jesus' name. Amen. I say you will be counted worthy among the good seeds in Jesus' name. Amen. So number one, you must be what? And number two. What's the second point? You must be a good seed. There are good seeds, there are tears. There are good seeds that are wheat. I mean, there are weeds. Number three. You must be knowledgeable, but teachable. You must be what? Knowledgeable, knowledgeable but teachable. Brethren, knowledge is good, true or false. I remember when we were growing up, you know this, every elementary school, I don't know if they have it here, but where we grew up, every elementary school have a motto. Many schools you will see, uh, knowledge is wealth, something like that. Knowledge is power. And oh man, oh. Statements are revolve around what? Knowledge. It's good to acquire knowledge, brethren. Somebody said, is it that if knowledge is very expensive, try what? Try ignorance. You'll find that it's much more expensive. The repercussions are there. Knowledge is important because without knowledge, the Bible says men are what? They are destroyed. In the book of Hosea, chapter 4, verse 6, The Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of what? Knowledge. Knowledge is very important. He said, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you, that thou shalt be no priest to me, since thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. He said, I will also forget thy children. In other words, when God is talking about knowledge, which type of knowledge is he talking about? The knowledge of God. The knowledge of God as itemized, as detailed in the word of God. That is why when Solomon was given an opportunity by God to ask for one thing. What did Solomon ask for? He asked for wisdom. He asked for knowledge. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1 verse 10. 2 Chronicles chapter 1 verse 10. 2 Chronicles, chapter 1, verse 10, 2 Chronicles chapter 1 verse 10. Solomon said, give me now what? wisdom and very important wisdom and knowledge that i may go out and come in before these people for who can judge these thy people that is so great solomon asked god for wisdom solomon asked god for knowledge very important because he realized that if he was if he were to achieve the purpose of god for himself for his kingdom He needed divine knowledge. And the Bible makes us to understand that knowledge comes with riches and wealth. Knowledge comes with what? When they teach on entrepreneurship and, uh, uh, I mean, you want to start a business, we are always told that look for something that people need that is not readily available that you can provide. Is that true or false? Look for a niche that is unoccupied, that has not been addressed. And when you fill that niche, people, because they need it, they will do what? They will come and buy it. Knowledge is very important. It comes with riches and wealth and long life. When Solomon asked God for knowledge, God said, because you have not asked me for the lives of your enemies, or you have not asked me for kingdoms, he said, I give you what you did not ask for. I give you riches, I give you wealth. In First uh, uh, Kings chapter 3, verse 13, I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. For the Bible makes it clear. That the wealth that Solomon was given was that there was not before him as rich as he was. And after him there has been what? None. None. That's very important. So knowledge comes with riches and wealth and long life. However, tell somebody however. However. Knowledge also comes with pride. It comes with what? With pride. That's very important. When you, when you are able to identify a niche and say this is something that people need, I have it, I know about it, and how to present it to them, they will pay for it. After a while, before you know it, you are flowing money. You are providing a service that people want, a service people desire. Just look at Facebook. What does Facebook do? It helps you to look for friends that you don't even know. Friends you don't need. But they are friends, right? And they will talk to you on your birthday. They say, happy birthday. And if you wonder who is this person? The person is a Facebook friend. Facebook saw a desire in the heart of mankind. Is that not so? Everybody wants to connect. Do you know that one of the biggest diseases we are told in the Western world is loneliness? Do you know that unfortunately, Facebook has not made it better? What has it done? It has made it worse. Because people will now sit down in their room and be looking at Facebook. <laughs> Nothing can take the place of God's creation. But what I'm trying to bring out is that it's a niche that somebody identified. And by identifying it, and they keep throwing all those adverts at you, the man has become a billionaire. That is knowledge. That is knowledge. And you can now understand why it's so easy with such knowledge, to be what? To be proud. What does the Bible say about pride? It says God does what to the proud? He resists the proud. Remember, the sin that made brother Lucifer. He used to be a brother. His name was brother Lucifer. You know who brother Lucifer is? The devil. He used to be a brother Lucifer before he became Satan. And he was thrown out. The sin that made him to fall was what? Pride. The man said, I sing so wonderfully. Without me, the choir I never cannot perform. Why am I always praising God? Why can't I have some people also doing what? Praising me. Uh-uh. In fact, the Bible says the way he was created, he himself was music. Even his name is music, is musical. Is that not so? Lucifer. <laughs> Amen. Pride took him to the height that which he did what? He fell. And brethren, that is one thing that God does not toy with. That's why you must remain humble and teachable. Humble and what? When you stop learning, you start dying. What did I just say? It's applicable spiritually, it's applicable uh, academically, it's applicable in our, in our place of work. I remember when I was with TD, in one of the departments where I was the manager, I had staff in that bank that had been working with the bank for 25 years, for 30 years. and They were doing the same thing. Because they've been in the bank for so long, the bank will continue to pamper them until they retire. But they desire to do something better. But they don't know how to do any other thing. Apart from what they were doing there. Are you with me? And some of us are like that in our places of work. You are on the same thing over and over and over again. Then one young girl that just finished her nursing becomes up and she's your manager. I say she's so arrogant. She doesn't even know anything. She knows a lot too. I'm telling you. If she doesn't know anything, she wouldn't have passed that exam. And before you know it, within two, three years, she's not just a supervisor. She becomes what? She becomes a manager. Stop uh, uh, killing yourself. Amen? Exactly. The schools are still open for people like you. If you go there, you'll make it in Jesus' name. I said you'll make it in Jesus' name. You must be knowledgeable, but... Teachable. Every profession have what they call, uh, is it CPD? Is that what it's called? Continuous uh, professional development. And if you don't do it, you lose your license. That is in the secular world. Brethren, it also applies in the spiritual realm. You must continuously develop yourself. We are talking about how to obtain favor from God. You must be knowledgeable but teachable. And one thing that makes many of us knowledgeable but not teachable is what? Is pride. What does he know? What does he know? I came to this. Do you know one thing? In your place of work, you may be the only person that knows that particular technology. And you think without you, the company will not function. Make the mistake of dying one day. And from either heaven or hell, God will open your eyes to see that word. The company has not folded up. Do you know that companies don't mind? They can pack up that technology and go and get a new one overnight just to prove to you that what? You are not indispensable. Is somebody with me this morning, you must be teachable, add teachability to your knowledge. If that's the only thing you pick from church today, Put it in your left hand so that you don't eat with it. Amen? Amen. So that you remember it. You must develop yourself. It's a new year. It's a new decade. Ten years time today, God will keep us all. Somebody is not even saying amen to that. God will keep us all. So if Christ does not come, because if he comes, (laughs) that's the end of the story. If Christ tarries for the next ten years, in ten years time, what are we going to be talking about? What are are we talking about? Where will you be? What will you be doing? Apart from the fact that many of our young ladies will be married. Amen? Apart from the fact that many of our young men will be married. What will you be in terms of self-development? Where will you be in life? I always remember what our daddy that came in September said. He said, God said, this is a church of millionaires. I thought somebody would grab it. Brethren, 10 years is too long a time for God to make someone a millionaire. True or false? Now, the question is will you be one of those millionaires? You must be knowledgeable but teachable. Very important. God might even be opening your eyes to something, a niche in Barry, that if only you key into it, in a few years' time, we will say, ah, that business. I know the brother that owns it. Amen? He's a member of our church. Who is that brother? I know the sister that's operating that. She's a member of our church. Who is that sister? God will take you there in Jesus' name. What other qualification is there? You must be able to learn. To know the ways of the world without imbibing the ways of the world. Does that make sense? You must Know the ways without imbibing the ways. And a good example is Daniel. See, the Bible says, in John chapter 17, John chapter 17, verse 14 to 17, Jesus was praying before he died. He said, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from evil. See, that's why we always say, Look at verse 16. Say, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You are in the world, but you are what? You are not of the world. You must always realize that. You must be able to go through the world and influence the world rather than let the world change you. From the ways of God. Remember, we are talking about divine favor. If God will give you favor, you must learn the ways of the world without imbibing these ways. That's why when God decided to promote Daniel, those that were around him that were envious of him. And I want to give you an assurance today: if you are going to prosper, if you are going to be if you are going to be successful, if you are going to succeed, you will be envied. True or false? If there is a seed of greatness in you, as I know applies to many of us here today. If there is a seed of greatness in you, the seed of greatness attracts what? Envy. The king promoted Daniel. The fellow uh, uh, leaders in the land looked at Daniel and said, this man must fall. They might have said the same thing about you. But I want to give someone an assurance today you will not fall. I said you will not fail. At the height of his profession in Babylon, Daniel refused to deny God. Even though they made a decree because of him. That nobody should worship any other God but the king. They wanted to make the king their God. If you will attract divine favor... Your God must be the living God. Tell somebody, your God God must be be the living God. The The Bible says in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, that this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. They saw that this man was preferred. The Spirit of God was operating in him. And it was then that they hatched up their plan. But look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, that nobody should pray in the land except to the king. In other words, they made the king their idol. He went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime, brethren, God must find you to be different. Tell somebody you must be different, <clears throat> and that's very important. You cannot afford to do behave like others. It must be seen and noted that the God you serve is a God that makes a difference in the life of a man. Finally, you must be able to stand as a soldier of the cross. You must do what? Be able to stand. Ephesians chapter 6, from verse 14 to 18, we all know the passage very well. It says, stand therefore. And then it talks about uh, your loins get about with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet with the pressure on the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. You must stand upon the only right and true foundation. Stand as a soldier of the cross. When you are able to take note of all these, then you are ready for divine favor. But the question is, why do you need favor? Why do you need favor? And I have three points here why we need favor. Uh, likely I'm not going to be able to go through all of them, but number one, you need favor because it is a proof that you have obtained mercy from the Lord. It is what? It is what? Favor is the proof that you have obtained mercy from the Lord. Why is it? In, why are we talking about mercy? Why are we talking about favor? Because, brethren, it is mercy that opens the door to favor. If you are going to find favor with God, you, God must first of all have mercy upon you. And I pray for someone here today, God will have mercy upon you. Amen. I say God will have mercy upon you. Amen. In Psalm 102, verse 13, the Bible says, Thou shall arise and have mercy upon Zion. For the time to favor her, yeah." The set time is come. I speak to somebody's life today. The time of your favor has come. Amen. The time for God to favor you has come. Amen. Why do we, why is mercy important? Because we said favor is the proof that you have obtained mercy. Because mercy brings forgiveness. Mercy brings what? Forgiveness. We all know the life history of David. David killed Uriah. And he didn't stop at killing Uriah. What next did he do? He took his wife. He took Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. But when prophet Nathan came to David and made him to realize his errors, the Bible says David went on his knees and he prayed the prayer in Psalm 51. He said, have mercy upon me, O God. Psalm 51 verse 1. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, Blot out my transgressions. God will blot out your transgressions. Amen. He said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. That's very important. If God will wash you and cleanse you from your transgression, you must do what? You must acknowledge it. God cannot forgive a sin that has not been confessed. That's why the Bible says, he that covereth his sin shall do what? He that covereth his sin shall do what? If you cover your sin, you cannot prosper. If you cover your sin, God cannot forgive you. But you must open up unto him. And that's why in Psalm 51 verse 4, David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. He killed Uriah. But it was not saying against Uriah have I sinned. He said against who? Against God. That is why when uh, uh, Joseph had an opportunity to commit adultery or fornication or whatever the name may be with his master's wife, he said, how can I do this evil? And do what? And sin against who? He didn't say and sin against my master. He said, how can I do this? And sin against God. Every sin is a sin against God. It's a sin against God. And that sin that you think is hidden, one day it will come out in the open. Unfortunately for you, the day it will come out in the open, it will not be one of the people watching. It will be what? All that are watching. Mercy opens the door to forgiveness, but you must ask for forgiveness. Tell somebody what they ask for forgiveness if you don't ask for forgiveness, you don't receive it. If you ask for mercy, God is willing and able to grant mercy unto you. Number three, mercy brings divine establishment. Brings what? The Bible says in Lamentation chapter three, verse twenty-two to verse twenty-three. He it, "It is of the Lord's mercies." Lamentation twenty-two. I mean, chapter three. Verse 22 to 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that what we are not consumed. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. They are new how often? God has mercies for today. He has compassions for today. He can establish you. He desires to establish you. But you must do what? You must ask. You must ask. There's an adage that says, if you keep quiet, what will happen? What will happen? If you keep quiet, your problems will keep quiet with you. And you cannot blame anybody. So you must open your mouth and ask for mercy. And God will have mercy on you. I say God will have mercy on you. In Malachi chapter 3, chapter 3 from verse 6. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. he says, for I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you have gone astray from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, I will return to you, said the Lord of hosts. But you say, wherein shall we return? And the Bible goes on, when when you read that passage downwards, it starts talking about the issue of bringing tithes and offerings into the house of the Lord. But it starts with what? With the Lord's mercy. It starts with the Lord's mercy. He said, you have gone astray. You have not done what I asked you to do. But because I am a merciful God, I am doing what? I am doing what? I am keeping you. I am preventing you from being consumed. But remember, we said, there's also a place for repentance. And if you need to repent, I pray that you repent today. I say, I pray that you repent today. Mercy brings healing. Mercy brings what? It brings healing. It's very important. Mercy brings healing. In Mark chapter 10, verse 47 to 52, we know the story of Brother Bartimaeus. He was blind. He heard that Jesus was passing by. He began to shout, Jesus, thou what? Son of David. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy. He didn't say, Jesus, that son of David, heal me. But do what? Because he realized that in order for him to obtain his healing, he needed what? He needed mercy. He needed mercy. He realized that if he could obtain the mercy of God, his healing was assured. Brethren, if only you can obtain that mercy. Every other thing that you need. God will give you access. And I pray for someone here today, God will give you access. Finally, I want to tell someone here that God's mercy is sovereign. God's mercy is what? What does that mean? In Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 9 verse 15, Romans chapter 9 verse 15, the Bible says, he said unto Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Is there anyone here today that, on whom God will have mercy? Anybody on whom God will have mercy? God will have mercy on you in Jesus' name. Amen. God can choose to have mercy on one man, and on the next man, he will choose to do what? Not to have mercy. I pray for someone here today. God will have mercy on you. Amen. God will find you faithful for his mercy. In Psalm 115, verses 1 and 3. Psalm 115, verses 1 to 3. The Bible says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Say, wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? In other words, if there's anything in your life that can make men to ask, where is your God? God will address it today. How will God address it? He will have mercy on you. I say he will have mercy on you. Verse 3 says, but our God is in the heavens. He had done whatsoever it had pleased. I pray that today it will please God to have mercy on you. Whatever be your situation, the mercy of God is sovereign. God decides on whom he will have mercy. So that's the first point. The first point is that favor is the evidence that you have obtained what? Mercy. That's the first reason why we need favor. The second reason we need favor is that favor makes the impossible possible. Favor does what? It changes death to life. And of course you know Once a man is dead, once a woman is dead, it's only God that can intervene and bring life to that individual. There there are situations that will come across that will say, oh, I know it's over. I know it's finished. But then what will happen? God will intervene. And I pray for someone here today. In that your situation, God will intervene. In that difficult situation, God will intervene. Amen. We know the story of Esther. The Bible says Esther's people were appointed for death. The decree had gone out. On this particular day, all Jews in the the realm of Ahasuerus should be what? Killed. They did not know that God had already made a provision in the palace for the salvation of his people. You know when the Bible says no temptation had overtaken you, but such as is what? Come on to mind. He said, God is able, but will what? With the temptation, do what? There's a way of escape for you. Whatever be that difficult situation that you are going through, I want to give you an assurance today there's a way of escape. Amen. I said, there's a way of escape. Amen. And God will bring you through in Jesus' name. Amen. The decree had gone out. That Esther and her people should be killed. But what they did not know was that the decree they made will affect the queen. You see how God had gone ahead of them? And then the queen came. And there was a decree again that says, unless the king says, Come. If you go before him, what happens? Unless you find favor before the king, you go to the palace when you are not invited. You are going to be seized and the person will be killed. So you see, Esther was faced with death on two sides. If she did nothing, what would happen? She would die. If she did something, what would happen? She would die. She would die. If she went before the king, one invited, without divine intervention, she would die. If she said, Okay, oh, there's a decree, oh, there's nothing I can do, oh, let me just sit down at home, oh, she would do what? She would die. She would die. There was only one way out. And that is the favor of God. And so she told her people, fast for three days. I will also fast for three days. And on the third day, I will go in before the king. And if I perish, did she perish? Because that favor, that does the impossible, God already went ahead of her. And the moment she stood before the king, Rather than the king say, woman, what are you doing here? Who invited you? The Bible says she obtained favor before the king. He stretched forth his scepter unto her, and he told her to come in. You need favor, brethren, because favor makes the impossible possible. And brethren, there are situations that will tempt you to sin. Because you think there's no other way out. All you need is favor. With the favor of God, laws can be changed. Circumstances can be changed. Individuals can be changed. Do you know that? The man who is saying there's no way for you, that man can be transferred because of you. Do you realize that? And once your situation is perfected, what will happen? They will bring the guy back. They will just say, oh, um, for whatever reason, we realize you shouldn't have been transferred. Can you come back? But what has happened? Your situation has been addressed. Hallelujah. I remember somebody was sharing a testimony. I don't know where. Somebody that went for a, a visa application. I mean, this was in Nigeria. And the person that denied her the visa application the first time is the same person sitting now attending to people the second time. And everybody that went ahead of her were what? They were denied. They were rejected. And this was not, de- de- this was not denial with a uh, smile. The guy said, like, why are you wasting my time? Pam, denied. Next. Bam, bam denied. Next. And as it was about that lady's turn to go before the visa officer, somebody came in and said, the, the boss wants to see you. And so the, 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 the master of denial or master of rejection Went to see the boss. The person that now came and said, The boss sat down and said, Okay, what do you want? Collected her documents, looked at it, said, Okay, come for your visa. Worked on only her own papers. By the time he finished, he passed her. The master of rejection came back. And that man just went away. That man came for just that one person. Tell somebody that is favorable and God is extending it to someone here today in Jesus name you need favor that the impossible might be made possible if God finds you amongst those that qualify for his favor brethren life will be different and as we are going into a new decade or let me ask as you have entered into a new decade you need to operate in the realm of favor Tell someone that I will operate. In the realm of favor. And so shall it be in Jesus' name. Amen. In Esther chapter 5 verse 2, the king saw Queen Esther. He, he obtained favor in his sight. And the rest is history. The rest is history. I pray for someone here again today. You will experience the favor of God. You will obtain favor in the sight of God. Amen. God will find you worthy of his favor in the name of Jesus. Amen. We know the story of Mordecai. Still in the book of Hester. Haman had completed everything. So that Mordecai would be hung on a tree. But the Bible says, The day that Haman came to tell the king, There is a gallow in my house prepared for Mordecai. What happened? That was the day that the king could not sleep. Amen. That was the day the king had a sleepless night. Amen. That was the day that God called and said, "What shall be done? What shall be done to the I mean, to the man that saved the king's life?" And Haman thought, "Who else will the king honor but me?" And it also happened that the man he had proposed to kill was the man he was told to go and honor. Alleluia. Brethren, this our God is good. Alleluia. If you obtain favor in his sight, he will walk with you and lift you to the top. Alleluia. Nobody and no man can pull you down. Alleluia. The Bible says in Esther chapter 6 verse 13, very important that Haman told Zeresh his wife and all his friends, everything that had befallen him. He went to report Mordecai that he may be killed. Instead, the king said, go and honor Mordecai. Then said his wise men, and Zeresh his wife unto him, if Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, remember where we started? That part of your qualification is that you must be what? Born again of a good seed, the seed of Abraham. If he be of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fall, He said, thou shall not prevail against him, but shall surely fall before him. I pray for someone here today. Every hey man in your life will fall. Every one that has made up his mind to destroy you will be destroyed. Every impossibility in your situation will be turned around. God will smile upon you. He said, God of divine favor. Favor is still available. It's still available. It's still available. That's number two. Number three, favor gives wealth. Favor does what? Favor gives wealth. I think that one is obvious. I won't spend more time on it. We need to go before the Lord. For this divine favor. It's meant for us. Brethren, every good thing that the Lord has in heaven, he has no need of. Who are those things meant for? They are meant for you and I. And if you, have, if you could come to church on a day like this, that many could have been here today but are not here, either because it's going to take extra 10 minutes to warm the car or because they are so much tuned to the weather channel, I say, oh, there will be ice rain and ice pellet. Ah, I won't go out. And you are here today, like I prayed at the beginning, God will give you double blessing. Amen. God will give you double blessing. Amen. God will honor you. Amen. God will lift you up. Amen. When God begins to perfect what he has promised concerning the members of this church, you will not be found wanting. Amen. The favor you need to achieve divine purpose, receive it in Jesus' name. This year must be different. Testimony, this year must be different. different. For For me, this year must be different.